Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'd like to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> We're doing product placement now. Let me just We're say doing two product things. placement. Two things, Scott Galloway. Yeah. Okay. Please stop just sending me that Adidas boobs tweet. Stop sending it to me, or I'll report you to the gazpacho police. Uh, yeah, would you like some Nazi secret police with your grilled cheese sandwich? Um, this is like, so, you know, there's so many good memes, I have to say. One was uh, uh, the gazpacho police are in, in cahoots with the anti-foe or uh, the progressos. That's from, I forgot who did that one, but George Conway did. The progressos must be really going crazy for this. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that uh, Adidas was not hacked. That was actually, they, they intended to do that? I guess. I don't know. Just boobs everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're just showing their lots of boob types, which women, of course, already know. But thank you for the photo display. I remember meeting with the CEO of Lululemon. Yeah, a really um, impressive guy who was the CEO of Sephora, uh, Calvin, and he went on for ten minutes talking about uh, the relationship between fabrics and mm-hmm. and breasts, and we sat there and just kind of nodded our head for a while. <laughs> but I guess it's actually sports bras are actually quite complicated technology, which I did not know. Oh yes, well know. I'm wearing one right now and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, in any case, uh, the, Mar- You'll be you. the joke You'll, we were that's making. You're right. Welcome to America. <laughs> the joke we were making was about Marjorie Taylor Greene calling Gestapo. I think that's what she was going for. Gaspacho. Everyone's having a good time on Twitter with it because she's good. She's an idiot. That said, you know. She's she's dangerous. She's still dangerous, as dumb as she might be, um, and and all these malaprops. You know, Trump makes them all the time, and it didn't matter. In any case, she's- no Nancy Pelosi asking people to things like stop stock trading and everything. That that it's very reminiscent of uh, of people. Like yeah, it's it's it, exactly. It's it's not a false analogy. There's a lot of historical parallels there. It's it's really truly um, not a lot of times that you can make make a Nazi yeah. joke. I'll tell you that. But she manages to allow us to. Um, in any case, that is an interesting story. The the Congress doing that. We talked about that yesterday, which is interesting. Who who predicted that? I think you I think someone that. listened to us. Well, you thought you thought Pelosi wouldn't do it because she's she was again it. But then she said, "I'm going to go with my." Uh, 
going yeah, with the choice. constituency. It, and you know what? She's leaving. So she can make money afterwards. She'll make a lot of money. She, they already they've already made her. She's I wealthy. would love to, quite frankly, yeah. like I like the speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her fashion more than anything. I yeah. think, and I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, especially for the kind of one of the third most, the third in line to the president needs to look good. And she looks better than, we haven't had some great dressed uh, speakers, which is, I think, she really upsetting. Good. But She does. Um, uh, but she's, um, I would like to see her husband's trades. I, I think it's just insane that these people, Richard, uh, Senator Burr, what's gone on here. Yeah. Um, I just can't, I just literally can't get over. I know him pretty well. I, 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 he doesn't strike me as a cheater, but, uh, but, uh, but it, well, you're that's right. the thing. They don't, they're not cheating. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, well, the they're not cheating any more than Elon is moving to I, Texas. That seems like, I know, but that's the, it seems as if he did that, that would be put him in the target zone. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, you know, who knows? But nonetheless, I think you were correct in that they doesn't, you can't even help yourself in some ways. You know stuff and you know stuff, right? And you talk at home and you, you think you're just being smart. Yeah, you, you find yeah. out a pandemic is about to break out the next day, and you think, well, maybe I'll just take a sell a few stuff. Or you find out, oh, we're about to commit a billion dollars to Moderna. Yeah, hmm, maybe I'll maybe I'll buy a few shares for my grandkids, my great 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 grandkids, because I'm a hundred and fucking forty years <laughs> yeah, old and yeah, refuse to leave. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of insider trading. It's a weird, you know, sort of plain sight one. But in any case, it's the right, probably the right thing to do. But then again, who's going to run for office? Right, only rich people, or maybe not rich people. You know, it's, no, real, it's you, here's you know, a, I don't know. I'm just saying. This this is the reality, and that is, unless you have insider information, mm-hmm. there's probably no good reason, according to most of the finance academics, to stock pick. You're supposed to put your money in low cost ETFs. There's a lot of studies showing that stock picking, yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, for so most people, yeah. For them to say they want to engage in capitalism is just saying no. They want to engage in insider trading because if they were to put their money in blind trusts or put it in low cost ETFs with trading windows. That yep. research shows they're not going to do any worse than the rest of us. So yep. unless you're on to something, this is – if they can't pass this, yeah. they literally can't pass anything. They can't pass anything. And what I'm what I'm dying to see is if that one bullshit piece of legislation goes through that your penalty mm-hmm. is confiscation of your salary. I'm telling you, I'm yeah. running for senator, dog 2022. I'm going to give all six years up, and I'm going to go to Washington yeah. with the sole purpose of starting a hedge fund, and I'm going to be transparent about it all right, based okay. on well, insider we'll information. That. We'll enjoy you here in Washington. We'll hang out all the time. I'm going to, ha- I'm going to set up meetings with Lena Khan to find out about FTC action that's right. coming up, okay. Jerome Powell, to all get right. his view on now interest rates, no. head of the Department of Defense. <laughs> I told you go oh, watch look, that I'm, Eddie Murphy movie. Go watch the Eddie Murphy. I'd be movie. awful, but I wouldn't be any. I, I wouldn't be any more right? awful than anyone. Serve that's the going people. Around. You need to have more civic, civic feeling, integrity. I'm anyway, very civic minded. Yes, you are. Okay, today we'll talk I'm about Peter Thiel stepping down from Facebook's board. Peloton shuffling its C-suite. We'll speak with uh, Jeremy Allaire, CEO of the fintech company Circle, uh, about what 2022 will bring for the world of cryptocurrency. Circle. 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 That's it. Sounds, I, he I used to have it a, like a, a video company, if you network. remember. I'm totally Circle. blanking on his video company, but I yelled at him once for a full hour about his shitty video company. This was back in the day when we were trying to get video up online. Uh, mm. It wasn't shitty. It just was mm. early. Anyway, Amazon wants five-star talent mm-hmm. and it's ready to pay top dollar. Everybody is sort of upping the ante. The company will raise its max base pay for corporate and tech workers from $160,000 to three hundred. dollars 
$50,000. Amazon says more increases will follow for, quote, most globally, uh, jobs globally, most jobs globally. The Internal Post uh, noted this past year has seen a particularly competitive labor market, you think. Late last year, Apple paid out a surprise bonus up to $180,000 in an attempt to stop software engineers from leaving the big uh, tech competitors. It's a huge jump, huge amount of money on the bottom line. They, I guess they weren't paying people enough. Uh, and being at Amazon isn't enough, correct? This is really interesting. If you think about the wages are under incredible upward pressure right now, especially in the information economy. And the the other thing, and I actually, you know, in, in a weird way, it's sort of related to Teal leaving Facebook's board, and that is these companies are, um, so you have Facebook whose stock has declined. So anyone who's joined, actually anyone who still has a lot of shares who they haven't or vest, unvested or vested options, uh, co- your equity compensation at Facebook or Amazon at uh, in, uh, kind of a mid-level to executive level, the majority of it, at least psychologically, is from the expected value of the increase in your equity award, mm-hmm. right? So uh, there's a lot of people, there's probably several thousand people at Amazon or Facebook that have several million dollars in equity value that that has invested. So they think, okay, I'd like to go to this cool little startup, but every month I continue to stay here, I make another 40, 60, 100, 200K in additional equity value. Then all of a sudden, Facebook throws up on their earnings and it goes from being worth 3 million to yeah. 400,000, or yeah. it goes from being, from being worth 400,000 to zero. So all of a sudden, people start returning the calls of headhunters. And so it, what typically what happens in a mature company is the compensation shifts from equity compensation to current compensation because a company, even like Amazon and Google that are doing really well, yeah, their, their stocks don't really. double. Yeah. Well, their yeah. stocks don't double for here. So if they go to a smaller startup uh, that's doing really well, it's very conceivable that the equity value of their options could quintuple in the next three to four years. And so it just becomes a different dynamic. The other thing I find fascinating about Amazon, and I do think Amazon is the most visionary company and forward-thinking company of the last uh, century, arguably. And look at what they did in the beginning, Kara. They they kind of, no one has zigged when everyone else has zagged in Mm -hmm. terms of investments. Like Amazon. Amazon said, all right, let's take our biggest expenses. Let's look at fulfillment. And let's not only overinvest in it, but we're going to so massively overinvest in it because we have uh-huh. access to cheap capital that we'll be able to rent it out to other people. I was in e-commerce in the 90s, and every e-commerce player did the same thing. We'd all go to the Kentucky, Ohio border and ask somebody, can you get our shit there within seven days for four bucks a box or three bucks? It was lowest common denominator. It was terrible service. They went the exact opposite way mm-hmm. and overinvested. Then they overinvested in processing power. Then they overinvested in media. And now I, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to get your thoughts here, but I think Amazon – says, as we move towards more software and services away from manufacturing, which is more about inventory, more about warehouses, Mm -hmm. and you're moving bits instead of moving atoms, I think they've said, we're going to make a staggering overinvestment in human capital. I think they've said, we have the cheap capital. I think they've seen it. Let's become like Netflix. As usual with a company, it's not Jeff Bezos here, but the people who he trained, they they have an opportunity to, to, to... to, to get people and they'll do it. They'll do, they'll, they'll, he's, they've mm-hmm. always spent, look, this is a company that's always spent for whatever their need is and have, has relied on Wall Street to let them do it. And in this case, 
unless it, it's, you know, look, Facebook is reeling. Their stock is still strong. They've got the opportunity to do this. So why not? I just feel that mm-hmm. this is sort of in there. And they need the people. This is a company that needs lots of people. They need everybody working for them. Um, I think they're still going to face enormous challenges with unions, et cetera. The bigger they are, the harder they'll fall in that regard. And so they've got to at least be having people questioning whether they need to be part of a union, right? Like, well, they're kind of nice to me. What do I need this for? Like kind of thing. Well, uh, they lost, the, the unions are losing it. So Amazon. far. I mean, they lost, so far. It doesn't they mean they're the going. Big one. Yeah, they're coming back. That's not true. There's all kinds of activity, you know? So I think that they're going to, they're going to have to con- not just the competitive labor market, but the union challenges, um, and and the and and the, uh, the ability of this, as I as we talked about, this reassessment of people to move anywhere they want right now, um, and so they want to lock this kind of thing in. I, I think it's just smart. It's smart on their part. It doesn't cost them that much. Uh, they look good. It helps in all kinds of ways, and they don't look like they're sort of living off the backs of other people as quite as much, you know, which I think people think about quite a bit when they have things. Every time someone delivers, I'm like, what does that person make? What is, you know, and I don't, of course, don't do anything about it, but it still is in your mind about this company, how they treat their workers. I'm bullish on Amazon. As yeah, I am too. I am too. I think they make the moves. Do you realize last year, in the last 12 months, they've hired more people than the population of Miami? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Amazon hires more kids out of my class. 10% of my class will go to Amazon. Yeah, I teach 280 kids. 30 will go to Seattle. And it's just hilarious. They come into my office hours. They never want to talk about strategy or brand strategy. They always want to talk about their job offers. And they'll say, I've got a job offer from you know, McKinsey or Goldman or Sunbank, or I've got an offer from Amazon. I'm like, stop wasting my fucking time. You got Plaid. You got plaid, pearl jam, and bad coffee in your future. Everyone goes to Amazon. Yeah. Kids, young people are insecure. They so they always go to the brand. Mm-hmm. And Amazon right now has the best brand in yeah. terms of an employer. Yeah, I think that- and they all Amazon must get. I bet they get a ninety percent yield on their job offers. Maybe I bet I don't almost know. everybody they make an offer to uh, comes there. But who's going to struggle here? Who's really got to think about this? Is Facebook with their stock decline because yeah. all of a sudden yeah. the, the perceived compensation of their and employees has come down a lot. Everybody, and it depends on where you want to live. But Apple stock is not down. A- no, Apple I get it, but it's where you want to live. 5% it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting place to live. Anyway, we'll see what happens with there, but it's a smart move on their part. Um, Tesla has been subpoenaed by the SEC over something Elon Musk tweeted again. Oh, hate to see it, Tara. Don't go on. Hate like, to see it. All right, all right. Hate Keep to see here, it. Scott. Um, Elon polled his Twitter followers asking whether he should sell 10% of his shares. Regulators want to know if Tesla complied with the settlement agreement from 2019 that said Elon's tweets about the business would be vetted by a company lawyer. I, I, I think they're just testing the, testing the, the enforcement here, um, picking this particular one. They're not uh, testing it, Kara. They're ignoring it. No, th- he's waving his he's maybe, waving his fat middle I'm finger saying, I'm in talking the about face the SEC. of the most noble organization he in the does, world. He the called US it government. The, what does he call it? He has a name for it. That's uh, that's something something. He has a funny name for the Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, this was a this was a settlement that came after he tweeted that he was taking Tesla private funding secured. You mean market manipulation? They're testing if he's. It's like sort of the consent decree if he if they're doing what they said. So we'll see. I, it was an odd tweet for sure. I was like, oh no, the SEC's got it. React. It's been. A, it takes took him a while, though. I'll tell you that. I don't know if anything will happen. Honestly, he see, he knows. That yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. Because let's be honest, billionaires play by different rules. Or he does, and they just dares them to do something. You know, dares them to do something is his is sort of his brand. Speaking of brands, good luck. You know, dare. You know, he'll he'll go out there, and sometimes he loses, like in the pedo trial, and sometimes he uh, um, 
Who didn't he didn't lose. lose. He won in the pedo trial. He won that one. Right. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah. he wins like in the pedo trial and, and he so far hasn't really lost that much, right? He hasn't really lost anything. Well, they, for blade market manipulation, they find him point oh, you know, like 0.1% of his mean. net worth. But That's part of the agreement was, I mean, this is what he tweeted at me that I was an insufferable numbskull when I said, okay, this poll is bullshit. You've already filed to sell these shares. You're clearly planning to do it. Yeah. And you're not allowed. I mean, this, this again, is the most blatant violation of when you have a penalty and they say, all right, yeah. you, have to, you have to do community service or we're sending you to prison. Yeah. Most people do their community service. Well, and so he isn't, he's, he's violating the conditions yeah, of what? his settlement. Guess what? Welcome to Trump tearing up all documents of the U.S. government. Do you really think they're going to get yeah. him on it? He just can do it. That's, it's, it's a, it's a, it, I don't like these rules. I'm going to blow your stop sign. So. And the, and there's no there's no repercussions. So I don't know what to say. But what I don't get, uh, I think everybody, and I don't like it. Every every company I've run, I have a board of directors, and they get in my face about stuff, and they put up guardrails. And you realize that greatness is in the agency of others. That you get a good board. He clearly has absolutely no board he, because someone on the board would come and say, Elon. How is this really? helping you or our do? shareholders? What are they going to do? Honestly, this is if, if the, I think this shows that if you don't want to run, run the rules, you don't have to. Like you don't. Like you know, it, it, there's maybe for some people there's repercussions, but not this guy. So there you have it. He's going to. I just don't think anything's going to happen. It's just he doesn't yeah, like the stop signs where they are. I, right. There's a stop sign I don't like in DC. I blow it all the time. And Amanda's always like, you just decided really? this. And I'm you like, run a stop sign. It's not a stop sign. It's a light that I don't oh, you're like. A, you're a rebel. I just don't you're like it. Rebel. It says you have to take a right. And I'm thinking it's stupid. So I always take a left. And I'm not going to say where it is. Just but- to, you're going to show a signal when you go the wrong way, yeah. regardless of where you're going. <laughs> no, I'm go- I, I don't like it. I don't agree with the government's decision on this light. Oh, wow. So I just you're don't do it. Don't stand too close to your flame. You might get burnt. <laughs> People do it all <laughs> wow. the time in little ways. <laughs> And this guy doesn't, uh, he doesn't like the rule uh, and he thinks it's dumb. And so he does what he pleases. And so they either have to come down really hard and then he makes them look stupid, which is like, it's just, he's going to win. If you break little rules like this, and there are little rules, they really are. Um, mm-hmm. They, you can, it just shows you there's nobody there. Just like with Trump, he ripped up all the things Trump did one thing after the next. Everyone's like, he can't do that. And he did. And he got away with it. So, and, well, and sometimes worse. I ripped a. Sometimes I rip the label off clothing that says "Do not remove." Oh well, there you go. That's right. I'm just saying. It's just like a there's rebel. no there's no repercussions, and they're just proving that. You know, they're just proving that. Uh, speaking of no, well, repercussions, no repercussions. The Canadian protesters are staying in the headlines. The more there's not as many of them. Um, there's there's a lot of like fact check. They're not as big as people think they are, but nonetheless, it's effective. A small group of people can be very effective. Drivers and pickup trucks and cars blockaded the Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor. I've been on this bridge. They're protesting against COVID measures inspired by the Freedom Convoy. This occupied Ottawa for only two weeks. The Ambassador Bridge is the busiest international crossing in North America. Um, lots of trade goes across it. Uh, 27% of all U.S.-Canada trade, which is incredible at one bridge. Let's fix that. Um, it's a privately owned bridge. Um, so, you know, it's just that they're, I think, I think their imagery is not great because I think a lot of Canada's pissed now at them. Um, now they're just irritating pains in the necks. But, you know, it's growing too. There's groups of people that like to make trouble and you, you, you know, this is how they do it in Canada. Instead of invading the capital, I guess. Well, actually, it's how they do it in France. I remember yeah, coming in from France, Charles oh, yeah. de Gaulle, which I can't stand, which may, maybe next to oh, Miami is the worst international airport in the world. I time, a mile. You're right. It's, it's crazy. And then trying to get into town, and someone said, oh, there was this trucker strike, and they'd parked at the they exits, did. and it took us 
literally four hours and then the to get the farmers in Paris. with the tractors. That happened to me. Uh, I don't. I, walked, I don't find. I got this. out of the cab and walked a mile to the airport. Mm-hmm. I, I don't find this. Um, I, I don't have a ton of sympathy. I'm not down with the good, the good truckers in France or in Canada. My view is they should uh, take pictures or just record who the trucks are stopping and go confiscate ten percent of them. Problem over. Sorry, yeah, boss. Our we'll truck see. now. I guess I don't even we'll um, I, I, I think this is I think this is a form of like economic hostage taking. I really think it's it is a thorny problem votes. for governments. I'll tell you that. Like, how do you do this right? Well, it's striking. It's striking at the economy when you're. It's striking at the economy when it uh, just because you can strike at a place that's weakest. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's collective bargaining. I, th- I would bet Canada has stronger uh, pro labor laws than we do. But yeah, I'm like, you know, take pictures, show up, confiscate ten percent of their trucks. Word will get around. They'll you stop. Know, once you have a little bit of attention, they're uh, get off uh, my lawn. They're high on their own supply here, and they just they just it works. And they, what they're doing, though, of course, is the violence and the um, the the. Nazi symbolism and and just crude behavior. I don't know. I just I don't think they, they, Nazi you have to symbolism? win. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, they've got like there's all kinds of oh things. Oh my god, who do they think they are? Gaspacho? <laughs> there's gazpacho. They're drinking a lot of gazpacho up there. Anyway, there yeah. we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, it, but I think the government has a real thorny problem to deal with them. They got to come down hard and and a lot. Anyway, let's go to some listener mail. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. This week, our listener mail inbox was full of reasons why you're not watching the Olympics. Lots said, uh, lots of you said time zones were the issue. One person even said it's because you can't gamble on figure skating. Uh, we also heard a lot of opinions like this one from Gabe in California. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Gabe in That's California. That's good. Play the tape from Gabe. The problem is, how do you watch it? I tried hard during the Summer Olympics to find a good option. The Peacock app is a joke. The curated content is terrible, so it needs innovation desperately. I would love to become obsessed with the Olympics again, but I can't find it anywhere that I watch entertainment. And that's the fundamental problem. Mm, that's interesting. That's the fundamental problem. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think it's that our nation is all split up. We go off to our little streaming things. We used to all be part of a little town, and we'd all gather around for the Olympics. And now we got other options. I just, I, there were no options before. I think it's that we're not a collective anymore as a group of people. We like, we like what we like. We'll watch what we watch. But I haven't used the app, so I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, you, I, I think you're both right in the sense that. It just consumer behavior is really powerful. Remember, only a few Olympics ago, it was sort of two, four, and seven. Mm-hmm. Not only got a lot of viewership passively, you put on the evening news with Tom Brokaw or whatever, but you, you, Channel Four, NBC was right there and so yep. present for you. Whereas one, you now have four hundred channels, and not even four hundred channels, but technically your options are four thousand extra Twitter, days because everything's everything. streaming and on yeah. demand. Yep. And then you have so many other things pulling your attention. And also, the, it, it, to have to get to a, a channel not, you know, and go th- run through hoops, the individual is absolutely right. It's not easy. It used to be super easy to watch the Olympics. Now you have to actually think about it yeah. and maybe download an app or and subscribe And then you run past something and, on Netflix or whatever. You just, I, I think it's, I don't think we're a collective anymore. It's incredible that NBC paid more than $7 billion for the rights. I wonder who'll buy them next, 2032. Um, You know, time zones, people have... The times have been well, it's easier. It's probably going to be that Matt Damon back crypto thing. Be yeah. bold. <laughs> time zones are always the issue. I don't think I don't think that's as big a deal. 
I don't know. Maybe they are, but but they they haven't seemed to be. I don't recall being like you watch it the next day. But and also that is actually true in terms of you know what happened, right? You you can read what happened, and before you didn't quite know what happened if the newspaper wasn't there. Things have changed. Things have changed, and people don't want to watch them in a big group. And it's a very it's a smaller group of people. And there's nothing there was nothing on, but now there is. So Gabe from California's message came in on our new phone line. You can leave us a voicemail at eight five 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 one pivot, or as always, drop us a line at nymag.com slash pivot. But leave us a voice message. We like our new thing, and leave us nice messages. We like say hi to Scott, or you know, he needs the love. Um, so you think you think Uh, anyway it's an interesting topic i was watching the olympics for two seconds yesterday and then i went to netflix or hbo i don't remember i watched the gilded age that's hbo it's not very good so uh i'm watching oh really i'm watching uh euphoria and freaking out about having kids oh yeah don't watch that i don't watch that my kids watch it but i don't watch it by the way i was just looking up on tv kara um you know, in order to get viewership up, uh, the Olympic Committee is, and it's happening tonight, has introduced a new sport, a new game. They have uh, pinball. Um, and yeah. and by the way, I'm betting on that deaf, dumb, and blind kid. Oh, that's good. <laughs> get it. That's good Olympic humor. <laughs> oh my goodness. In any case, let's get on to our first big story. Peter Thiel is leaving the meta board. Uh, He reportedly wants to focus on electing Trump-aligned Republicans in the midterms. Uh, Two of his protégés are currently running for the Senate, J.D. Vance in Ohio and Blake Masters in Arizona. I think Blake worked for him. Um, Thiel has donated $10 million uh, to political action committees backing each candidate. Um, he's donated to a candidate uh, challenging Liz Cheney in uh, in Wyoming. He was very active in the Trump administration, obviously, and I think a lot of people blame him for Facebook's bear hug or blame or compliment him, depending on who you are. Um, and so uh, he's always been sort of a controversial uh, board member when he sued Gawker. That was a moment where they were they had to say something about it, saying he's a private citizen doing that. Um, so I don't, what do you think about this? I don't know a lot of why he left. Honestly, I haven't really called around or anything like that. Maybe he just was tired of it or, or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, very close to, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, very big influence on Mark Zuckerberg for sure. Um, made a fortune, both of them together at Facebook, um, was one of the first people who believed in Mark Zuckerberg for sure. He also had investments in lots of things, Clearview AI. He was an investor in Palantir that had some beefs with Facebook back and forth. He's he's a really interesting on, uh, person. He obviously uh, put a lot of his uh, meta stock in a Roth IRA, which means that he, he if he cashes out in 2027, he gets the money tax-free, et cetera. So what do you think, Scott? There's all kinds. Peter Thiel is quite a character. Yeah, I, I think this is what it is. And that, uh, or that I don't know if there's a backstory here, but he's been on the Facebook board, you know, over a decade. I think he invested a half a million dollars at a valuation yeah, of like the first six big million. He, yeah. He's made yeah. he's made tens of billions uh, from right. Facebook. And I think that he's decided if he wants to be really politically active, which he, he wants to be, he probably shouldn't be on the board of a company that is a very, has been very correctly sort of politicized. So this makes sense. And Peter Thiel, I don't I don't agree with his politics, but he strikes me as someone who's very self-actualized. He kind of knows what he wants and he doesn't really care what other people think. He's like, I'm gonna, this is what I think is right. This is what I'm gonna do and mm-hmm. you know, have at it. I'm not it, it, he doesn't strike me as someone who he's dancing to his own drum. I've always admired that he strikes me as someone who knows what he wants and and doesn't really, you know, it's like, okay, I'm I'm here to please me, full stop. 
That is uh, true. But, that is but true. he's um he's going to get very politically active. Uh, and he doesn't he, – he's probably just – what has he not accomplished? But what he does is he joins uh, the list of the most impressive people in America, and that is the most impressive people in America have left the Facebook board. But unlike Peter Thiel, they usually leave after a year when they realize that Mark Zuckerberg is insincere about cleaning up Facebook. I mean, Erskine Bowles, uh, Susan Desmond Hellman, Ken Chennault, all went on this board, Don Graham. looked around. Don Graham. All went on the board, looked around and said, okay, I can help. I can figure this out. These people always have big egos. I can coach this young man. He probably seems sincere about wanting to do the right thing. And then they go, okay, this guy's full of shit and doesn't care. I'm out of here. I mean, it is... These folks have all left so much all right, money on Thiel the table. But Teal wasn't this leave. person. Teal is a no, great he's, admirer he's, of he's Mark been Zuckerberg. There. You know, he's been there for and a very big years influence on the stuff that many people think are problematic. You know, he's been a big influence, especially the lean towards Trump. Yeah, it, but it, it strikes me that this is what it is. He wants to be very involved. He doesn't need the headache. He's got the money. He's literally Coke light, isn't Coke brothers light? Yeah. He's going to be probably yeah. the most dominant political I mean, Coke heavy force uh, of 2022 with his money. Very strategic, yeah. very smart. Um, I mean, he's probably the biggest threat to uh, Representative Cheney right now uh, because yeah. he's clearly not. I mean, there were so many. Think about it. Think about the societal norms and pushback and you become a pariah. He's basically a billionaire that got pissed off at a media company and put them out of business. Mm -hmm. That has a lot of very unusual, un, you know, uncomfortable notes to it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's like, well, he I can. I can put I can put a media company out of business that wrote yeah, things that I didn't like. Opinions. He has some opinions. He has some opinions. He's definitely you're right, Koch brothers behind the scenes, but sort of in front of the scene. People know he's there. He's not super quiet about where he goes. Um I think he wants to be, you know, the powerful, most powerful person in the on the Republican side for sure. He also has continues to invest. He's in Rumble, um, which just offered Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars to leave Spotify and join its service, which I, that's exactly what I would do if I was Rumble. You know, he's got a lot of detractors. Josh Marshall at Talking Points Memo tweeted, Peter Thiel is leaving the Facebook board, says he wants to spend more time with fascism, which was not very nice. But, you know, J.D. Vance is a fucking clown, as far as I can tell. I Couldn't heard he loves gazpacho. Gazpacho. You know, he's a shit stirrer is what I would call him. If having, mm -hmm. I used to talk to him a little bit more, but I haven't talked to him a long, long, long time. Um He's a shit stirrer. I uh, uh, just that's his whole thing. Is he wants he doesn't like the way society is. He doesn't he doesn't he rails against elites, even though he's gone to a lot of elite institutions and 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 has you know sort of moves in that those circles. He's um, he sort of backs like the common man kind of thing, even though he's mm -hmm. not a common man. Um, so it, you're right. It's sort of coke. It's it's the, he has ideas about this government and what it should be or not be. You know, and it's not quite burn it all down, but it's not, you know, he's not pleased with the way our government is and what it's doing. And he's got ideas about society and liberals and all kinds of things. And it's all over the map, interestingly enough, uh, has invested all over the place. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. Um, but certainly the, that one bet he made on Facebook was a good one. And he, it's all, and, it's and, all I and needed. Has paid I, off. I think I'm like most people. I'd like to do edibles with him and Angela Lansbury and just see what happens, see how it plays yeah. out. <laughs> Just see what works. Anyway, um, he, I think it's probably he's may have th thought this is enough with the Facebook. I don't need this this anymore. Yeah, done. Uh, I've Capital done my work. D done. I've done Capital. my work. I've moved along. And so when Peter Thiel got in, it was like nothing. 
you know, back in the day in, in, in Max, he's made a fortune. Like, he's made a complete fortune. No, he's made know. he's made the GDP of Colombia. I mean, it, this his yeah. that's one of the greatest venture investments of uh, of all time. But he's yep. done a lot of strange stuff. He's not afraid to fail either. He was uh, he ran no. he did a hedge fund for a while. I did. I really the idea. I really wasn't a big fan of was he was giving people a hundred grand to drop out of college. For, and this is from a guy who had it. undergraduate and graduate degrees from Stanford. And it's like, well, it worked pretty well for you, boss. Um, yeah. And then there was some reports about that didn't work out that well for those kids. But he's definitely, you know, you got to give yeah, it to him. A... He's he's kind of his own dude. Uh, so. He is. I'd love to sit and talk with him again. Okay, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, Peloton is spinning, and we'll speak with Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire about USD coin. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Scott, we're back. Peloton's CEO is out, so are 2,800 employees. John Foley announced he'll move into the role of executive chairman. I suspect he's not out. He's still around. Barry McCarthy, a former CFO at Spotify, will take over as Peloton's CEO, a very well-regarded executive. I, I know him a little bit because he worked at Spotify. He worked at Netflix, I believe. Uh, meanwhile, the company is laying off 28% of its workforce, or as I said, 2,800 people. 
uh, not to worry. Um, they will not, uh, laid off employees will get one free year of Peloton. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, in an earnings mm-hmm. report, Peloton says it lost almost $440 million last quarter. So uh, what prompted this? This guy didn't have to. He controls a majority of shares. Maybe he said, I'm getting out of the way here. I'm putting in a professional to, to shake things up. It surged 25% after news of this shakeup, for example. And Amazon and Nike are supposedly looking at it. This This surprised me. And I think it I think it probably indicates that things are even worse than we think because for the CEO and insiders control the company here, and I would have thought optically, and I think he would have said, look, uh, just give me, let me get out of this and then I'll declare victory and leave. Let me get out of this really ugly part of the company's history. And the fact that they they and he decided, no, you're out – means mm-hmm. means I, it may even be worse than we think in terms of supply chain and operations and overexpansion. So when I saw this, I was shocked because yeah. a small group of, people, of people control were, the company. Not just you. Lots of people. And and what this says is it is it is really bad. Either the numbers that they're seeing in the supply chain problems or customer acquisition or churn, whatever it might be. It is really ugly because usually if, a, if, it, if the company is – what I would have thought on the board, they would say, okay, we need I – th- I would have thought with someone who's the founder, they would want to stabilize things and say, okay, just, just write the ship, get it stable, and then move, and then, and then you'll announce that you're going to chairman. Uh, so to make this change right now under the auspices of an activist and all the shit's going on, it really says, and, and all yeah, that, the investors and- He's still executive and, chairman. He controls the majority of Peloton shares. He's out of the limelight. I don't know. We'll see. But that, The activists him to, want him out of that, too. Yeah, yeah the activists yeah. have no power here. I, I, they'll yeah. declare victory. They're, I just, it, well, I'm it, just saying they want him out as executive chairman, too. It must be really, things. Um, things must be really bad. The numbers I that, don't know. This that, particular executive, let me read you a comment from someone I, I asked yep. around. I, re- I met him, you know, he, you always meet the CEO and not the CFO. CFOs are critically important. Um, he's smart. He focuses on the fundamentals. He understands LCV uh, well and knows how to generate it. He's no nonsense, has high standards, is demanding in a rational and reasonable way, but never ducks mm-hmm. individual responsibility, is self-deprecating in a way that I think indicates a pretty healthy relationship with himself. So kind of, uh, this, this was, wow. I, I called 10 people. They all love he, this guy. They he sounds great. like us if we were nothing like us. <laughs> um, <laughs> In any case, he's got a, he's got a lot to do. He looks like a whiskey commercial. He's very handsome. He looks like <laughs> okay. he, I drink Valentine. <laughs> uh, he looks he does look like a whiskey. Uh, I think he's a no nonsense kind of guy, and he wants to be a CEO. And here he is. So uh, he's got a lot to deal with. Laid off employees reportedly crashed an online all hands meeting where the new CEO was introduced and left angry comments. Of course, who knew? The death of Mr. Big could cause all this. Who- I can't believe they offered this as part of severance a year of Peloton. Question is, is it a is it a pandemic stock destined to die or not? And that's, I have to say, I think the users love this product. So yeah, as I a great product, I love it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Let's bring in our friend of Pivot. Jeremy Allaire is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Circle, the digital payments company behind the USD coin. That's a digital stablecoin pegged to the U.S. dollar. Last year, Circle announced plans to go public via SPAC and perhaps more ambitiously, its intention to become a, quote, full reserve national commercial bank. I've known Jeremy for a long time. I was just joking with him. He had a company called Brightcove that we used. It's a video, early, early video company that we used on All Things D, and I would call and yell at him all the time because it didn't work. But I apologize. (laughs) 
apologize now because I realize how difficult it was. Apology, apologies accepted. Okay, I, I remember how stressful how stressful that was when you were going. You were like going live with video at the event. And yeah, it was like a yeah a major new thing. Yeah, and it was. was yes, yeah, I totally. And actually, yeah. Walt and I wanted you to build us something where we would talk to each other and yell at each other, and then we couldn't do it. And now, of course, I have Scott here. In any case, one of the other things is Jeremy was one of the first people. You to have talk. built that. You Just have built FYI, that. FYI, you have built that. <laughs> I know that. I get it. In any case, he was also one of the first people to talk to me about uh, blockchain. Uh, him and Wences Casarius were the very first people, as I recall. Um, and he was very, he moved to that very quickly. And we had a conversation in 2017 of what is blockchain um, and other things. And you just you just put out a, you put it in newspapers or a thing called print and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about we, what, yes, what you're, exactly. what, why you did that? Explain what you just did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, there's like this big question that is kind of running around mostly in, in Washington, but certainly in on Wall Street and, and in other financial capitals, which is, you know, there's sort of this perception that there's now a kind of digital currency space race. China is building a, you know, the ECNY, it's coming out of the Olympics, and everyone's, you know, uh, to some degree is kind of freaking out mm-hmm. saying, you know, where's the US on this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had uh, a kind of uh, a Federal Reserve that's been doing some research, publishing some white papers. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the question is sort of how can the United States lead in this space? And, you know, our view, um, and we've, we have a lot of conviction around this, is that um, the U.S. is actually already winning this so-called digital currency space race because dollar digital currencies – that are built on the public internet, that are built on an open an open model that is reflective of the, the 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 kind of nature of the internet itself, kind of open, permissionless, interoperable, built mm-hmm. on standards, free market competition that builds on that. That has given birth to this extraordinary, extraordinary, very high growth, um, very dynamic industry, and it's not without risk. There's lots of issues. So no one's saying like there shouldn't be regulation or anything like that. And as you noted, right, we're, we're, we're sort of, as we say, all roads lead to the Fed. We, we believe we ought to come under federal government supervision. But mm-hmm. I think the, the argument that we wanted to make, and, and in some ways we took over like homepages and, and yes, we put stuff in print in, in a number of publications and, and throughout DC is um, the, 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 the answer here is not let's start a big government R&D project that's going to take three to five years and itself introduces some pretty dramatic uh, and, and potentially high risk uh, privacy concerns, market competitive concerns, mm-hmm. uh, technology obsolescence concerns, et cetera, but get behind what's actually winning and, and embrace a model that is, in fact, what has made the West largely successful in being the leader in technology innovation on the Internet. Um, so that's sort of the argument we want so to make. So isn't it? And, but and isn't it right? I mean, is it? You're sort of saying, like, sort of like Facebook is doing. Let please regulate us, but you don't regulate us too much. I mean, you you revealed last year under investigation by the SEC. The SEC, we had Gary Gensler on last year talking about this. Um, isn't it appropriate, especially in financial areas, for the government to do this? You're, you're essentially saying they're going too slow in that they could muck up the works, which was sort of early internet. People talked about this, as you know, you were around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's a few things. I mean, like w- we have we've sought out regulation since 2013 when I started this. Mm-hmm. We became the most regulated company in crypto. We got we begged for licenses. <laughs> we went after uh, you know trying to do that because we understood that if you're sitting between 
the existing financial system and this new crazy world of the open internet, you know, of, of money and blockchains. Like there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of issues. There's fraud. There's consumer protection. There's money laundering. There's all this stuff. So we're, we've sought that out. And, and now as this has gotten really big, I mean, USDC is, grew 10,000% in the last two years, 1,000% last year. We, we've issued about 10 billion new in circulation just the last 30 days. It's getting quite large and, and, and it's only going to get bigger. And this is now something where we believe that this ought to sit under kind of a federal, uh, a federal supervision model. Like all of this fintech stuff, as you know, has basically been born out of what I call the fintech laboratories of the United States, which are the states, mm-hmm. money transmission, all the payments companies, they're all kind of more lightly regulated at a state level. Um, our view is that this kind of infrastructure, this what we call kind of market infrastructure for dollars on the internet, is potentially systemically scaled. It's potentially has this enormous reach. So we just we just think um, we need to be thoughtful about what those regulations are. It's it's a square peg round hole question, right? If you just take the the existing um, you know payment system and try and uh, apply the, that to this, you're not going to you're not going to get all the the same benefits that come from an infrastructure like this. So you just need to be thoughtful, and that's in some ways what Treasury has said. Let's have Congress act. Let's define new statutes that are specific to this whole area. Scott? Uh, nice to meet you, Jeremy. Uh, can you? Thank you. Did, I feel as if crypto is like interest rates, and that is we all pretend we sort of understand what's going on or the relationship with the economy. Can you explain what a stable coin is and, then, uh, and why it, it, the primary points of differentiation, I assume you think there's value versus a, t- a typical cryptocurrency. And also, mm-hmm. I'd love to just understand Circle's business model. Yeah, sure. So um, the, the term stable coin, I'm not a huge fan of the term, um, but, but it is what we have. That's what people are calling, mm-hmm. calling these things. Um, and... Um, you know, when, when we refer to USDC, we describe it as a dollar digital currency. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't say it's a stable coin, but everyone calls this a stable coin. Right. Um, the, but, but, but fundamentally, the problem that um, we set out to solve and or the opportunity that we saw was that if you could take what we think of as traditional money, which mm-hmm. is actually basically the liabilities of a central bank or the liabilities of the U.S. Treasury, mm-hmm. you know, Treasury bonds and central bank money, and you could um, express that in a digital currency form. Um, so, and, you know, essentially give it the characteristics and capabilities of what we think of as a cryptocurrency, which is a, a digital cash-like instrument that can transact instantly anywhere on the internet. It's open and interoperable like other protocols on the internet. It can move, um, you know, with extremely low cost, so you, you give it all, you kind of give it this, these internet superpowers, as I like to call it. You give it those capabilities, um, but you are, you're, you're backing it by and you're basing it on the fiat currency. And, and, and really, mm-hmm. you know, f- for us, that means essentially like cash and short-term U.S. government treasury. So, so you, everyone understands, oh, this is like cash. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you give it the characteristics of the internet. And then once you have that, you have, uh, you know, an extraordinary ability to use those dollars um, on on the internet, um, and, and so I mean, that's essentially the the those problem coins, that we set those out coins to on the solve. internet. So, what? Why does that? Why yeah, is that different yeah. than a PayPal or Venmo for the regular person? Well, this is like um, 
yeah, I, I, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Uh, this is like, what's the difference between internet email or the web and AOL? Yeah. Well, one is based on open interoperable standards. Anyone can connect to it. It's totally open and global and lots of developers can build around it. it. Another one's a walled garden. Mm-hmm. And what's the walled garden look like? So it's a walled garden metaphor. And I think the history of like payment systems and, and digital payment systems is essentially a bunch of walled gardens. But, you know, this stablecoins answer the question of sort of everyone should be able to instantly interact and exchange value, no matter what digital wallet you use, no matter what financial service you use, you should have that same level of reach and interoperability that the internet gives you. And that's what stablecoins provide. And, and we see that in the ad that we took out, we talked about the hundreds of different digital wallets that support USDC, yeah. it, you know, $2.4 trillion in transactions on the internet last year with it. And so, and, and this is just the start, right? I think this can, this can, you know, ultimately be orders of magnitude larger than the sort of first generation of digital payment systems on the internet. Don't stablecoins sort of bifurcate utility from speculation? And that is, I want the transmissibility, I want the divisibility, I want the open standards of a cryptocurrency, but I don't want to pay buy and pay in Solano because it could go down twenty yeah. percent in the next twenty four hours. Totally, yeah. I mean, like we we use dollars because they're relatively speaking price stable. I mean, the Fed's mandate is right. to attempt to achieve price stability, right? And you know, right now it's seven percent uh, inflation, but like yeah. more or less two, three, four percent. People can then use it as a unit of account. It's 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 useful. People don't buy and sell goods and services using commodities because mm-hmm. it's insane. Right. And so you can trade for trade commodities. That's important. And you yeah. can speculate on commodities, but you can't really use them as a medium of exchange uh, efficiently. What's the use case, though? Because the use case I keep thinking of is remittance payments across borders where you get rid of the, the incredibly onerous fees. So it's an incredible tax cut on people sending mm-hmm. money home. I think of it as someone who wants out of the Argentinian peso and there's currency controls the and they can circumvent them by... Mm-hmm. But what is yeah. the what is the primary breakdown the three or four biggest use cases of a stablecoin? Yeah, sure. So I, I jokingly like to say, you know, when people ask what's the use case of, of USDC, I, I'm sort of like, what's the use case for a dollar? Well, there's a lot, um, and mm-hmm. so you literally, it's you know, you might use it to make a micropayment for a piece of scarce digital intellectual property, aka an NFT. Mm-hmm. At one end, at the other end, you might have someone who's using it to bilaterally settle a a huge trade for $500 million and, you know, everything in between. Now, I and think- not subject um, to FINRA or Fisius and all the other, if I, if you send money, if you wire money overseas right now, it's like you're trying to get a mortgage. It gets held up, <laughs> it gets examined. Yeah, it, it, it is really challenging. And, and this is a vexing problem, uh, of course. And, and digital currency solves a big part of the problem. There's some incremental mm-hmm. things that, that I think still need to be solved. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the concept of um, just a cross-border payment is kind mm-hmm. of insane when you step back and think about it. It is indeed. Right? Yeah. Like, when's the last time you sent a cross-border email or had a cross-border right. web a, browsing session? It just doesn't point. make any sense. And, and I think we're, we're on the cusp, and people who use digital currency are already living in the future. They're living in a world where, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm on the internet. I have a piece of software on my device. And I'm just exchanging value peer to peer with anyone else, no intermediary. It's fast, it's cheap, it's secure, it's private. Like people are living in the future with that. Um, and, and regulators are, are catching up. But coming back to your question, like what are the use cases? Um, they're evolving really rapidly. Uh, so, you know, stablecoins were born out of 
the need for, this is where the name came from, the need for people to get out of an instable price volatile thing like Bitcoin and in, into a price right. stable thing like a dollar. And so they're created for what I call the crypto capital markets. They were created to, to sort of be the, the liquid dollar that could move at the speed of blockchains because everyone who was trading was moving at the speed of blockchains and, and, and sit there. That's evolved. So now, um, interestingly, to the other examples that you've given, um, we've seen this incredible growth. Um, and it's interesting to see since the start of COVID, you can actually chart the growth of stablecoins. It's been incredible. And there's global demand. And the hmm. global demand is from people who want to hold digital dollars that, that in a secure way. And, and, and correlating to that has been this extraordinary growth in what's called DeFi. And, and so, you know, USDC, for example, plays a huge role in DeFi. And DeFi provides people with a way to store their dollars securely and then earn interest on them. And so the blockchains have given birth to essentially open interest rate markets. And these are interest rate markets that any individual in the world can participate in. You literally can connect your wallet. You can effectively uh, lend your USDC and, and earn a, a, a passive uh, so you're mimicking, of, you know, you're mimicking from, the world as, as it was. How, how do you relate them to, you just mentioned Bitcoin. How, what analogy would you have them to your, your excellent AOL example, for example? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I think, um, um, you know, if, if each of these kind of digital currencies are, are, are like open internet protocols, um, you know, Bitcoin is a really powerful open internet protocol. Um, and it, and, you know, I think it, it has, I think, very compelling attributes, um, as a, uh, secure store of value. And I mean, people say this all the time. It's digital right. gold, et cetera. Um, but I, I think that's quite accurate. So the, the concept here is simply that from a long term perspective, um, governments around the world, are really, including the United States, are massively in debt, are issuing a lot of money to continually refinance that debt, and are fiscally irresponsible. And that's everywhere. And in some places, it's horrible. And, you know, th that means that those fiat currencies are have a structural problem. And so from a long-term perspective, a, a non-government, non-sovereign, secure, tamper-resistant, uh, scarce, well-defined monetary policy store value is actually quite compelling, but you're not going to use it to buy cookies and milk and pay rent. Um, and so you know, there's this interplay between, you know, an open internet of value exchange that's built on the big, the biggest reserve currencies of the world, which we think will be massive and be used massively, and these store value um, currencies, which are frankly savings instruments more than anything. So gold, else. gold is um, the and, thing you're, you're using. And, and I think gold's the wrong analogy because I think gold is such a relic and it's, it has no utility. Uh, I mean, jewelry is interesting, but it, it doesn't have actual utility in the same way that Bitcoin, Bitcoin, you know, brings the monetary effectiveness of gold, but to a, 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 a digital asset right. that can actually move at the, at the speed of the you internet. You can't carry which is gold around, easy. is your point. You can't carry, you can't so carry I, gold I, around. Yeah. I just want to jump in here because sure. right before you got to the interesting stuff, Kara interrupted you. And I want to assure you, she never does that. She never does that. <laughs> you were about Karen to interrupt oh my anyone. God. 
But but you were about to get to what the yield is on your USDC. What is potentially the yield you can get? And and answer a fundamental question I've always had and and I don't understand. How can that yield be so much greater than the yield a bank gives you on cash stored in a certificate of deposit? Yeah. So the 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 best way to think about this is um uh you know, there are capital markets and, mm-hmm. you know, banks participate in capital markets. Uh, they, they, you know, give out a bunch of loans. They package that loan up. They sell that as a thing to a capital market. And then there's hedge funds or whoever else buying up those loans. And, and the banks, you know, are, you know, maybe making 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, whatever they're making on those loans. And they make a spread of like 3%. That's sort of the, the like the model. Now, when you put money in a checking account, they're not really paying you anything, um, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's a source of quote unquote deposits for them that then they use, and then they create right. money, they make new money, and then they loan it out, and then they have that that loan book on the other side. Um, but you know, to, so what's happened with with digital currencies like this is, um, I think the the sort of developers have basically built protocols that are themselves borrowing and lending markets. So the, the, the market to borrow and lend is a piece of software that's on the public internet. It's a public protocol. It's, it's not a company. So you're, anyone that wants to borrow and lend from each other does that through the protocol itself. That's you know running on a on a virtual machine and a smart contract on on one of these networks, and that's what makes them decentralized. So it's this protocol that's out there, and and then individuals, whether it's an individual or a household or a firm or whoever, can take their stable coins or other digital assets and lend them to the protocol, and then there's people on the other side of it who will borrow it, and these protocols, uh, the well known are like. Ave and Compound, these are some of the bigger ones that are out there, um, you know, uh, essentially are, are, have created these capital markets in software on the internet. And the, the reality is, and, and all the risk management and, and how the, the, the collateralization and liquidation and all the stuff that goes on for these markets, it's open and transparent because it's all open source. Everything is public and transparent and everything that's happening in that market is real-time auditable because it's on a blockchain. So everyone can see the risk and what's happening. So it's, it's first of all, it's just an extraordinary innovation and breakthrough. But secondly, the borrowers of capital are paying, are willing to pay a high interest rate, essentially. So if the borrowers of capital are willing to pay, let's just say it's 6% for dollars on these markets, and and then the the protocol itself generates income for the protocol, and then people who, uh, you know, participate in it generate a piece of the the fee. Then there's a piece that's then passed along to the to the lender, and so that's basically it. You're, you you don't have a bank as an intermediary, uh, as as one of my yeah. You just kill the bank. Yeah, I mean, it's like self self driving self driving banks is the concept. Self- oh talk about. It sounds scary, okay. actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> don't use that one. I would not use that metaphor. <laughs> So let me, I have one last question. So there was a lot of friction between your sector and U.S. regulators with, I guess, Yellen, Reserve, FD, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jeremy, uh, Jerome Powell, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, SEC Chair 
uh, Chair Gary Gensler, as I said, wanted to tighten regulations of stable coins, um, and 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 Gensler called it the Wild West in his testimony. And one thing you said is that it's critical. Let me read you a quote. You said, "I think it would be great if there was a clear set of rules in the banking system in the United States around crypto asset lending that doesn't really exist. We see it as a really important product here with a lot of growth. So, can you what would you what is the one thing you need the government to do right now in terms of bringing this?" not calling it the wild west which is okay but what to make it not that to to make it not that i guess yeah but to their liking so the, i suppose yeah i mean the 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 thing that 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 i'm focused on and we are focused on is um and, and and by the way this is like very aligned with what say the us treasury department is proposing and there was just testimony to congress last week from the undersecretary mm-hmm. nelly lang she's going to the senate next week um and, and, and there are a lot of people in Congress who are now working on legislation. So we'll see if Congress can do something, but they're working on legislation to say, if you are a stable, a dollar stablecoin issuer, here's what you got to do. You have to have the following reserve requirements, liquidity requirements, mm-hmm. audit requirements, anti-money laundering requirements, controls, mm-hmm. et cetera. We're going to define a charter for that. You got to register with the U.S. Treasury Department. You're going to be supervised by the U.S. Treasury Department, and in some cases, supervised by the Fed as well, depending on mm-hmm. the, the full scope of your activity, and define that. So that's what's needed, and that's basically what the White House has said they'd like to see some version of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like devil in the detail stuff. There's a lot of of, of things that you know could go too far or or too little, um, and and so. But that's the essence. And then I think the other thing is. Um, you know, essentially, we need some definitions of these things so that accountants, just, you know, good old fashioned accountants know what the hell these are. And they can treat them like cash and cash equivalents so that corporations and financial institutions and, and households know that they're dealing in dollars, essentially, that this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, something that they can account for in the right way because right now it's 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 amorphous what the heck is this mm-hmm. and so you need some definitions and then you need this kind of US treasury supervision and and in order you, you know you need to do that at a national level basically yeah which they have not done all right scott last question uh quickly business model and how do you establish any sort of sustainable advantage as a USDC or a stablecoin yeah yeah Good question. yeah so um uh, on on the on the business model, so w- we sort of operate a couple of key businesses here. The first is what we call our stablecoin market infrastructure. That's a mouthful for what we do with USDC, but we we have ambitions to do other currencies uh, beyond the dollar. But that that market infrastructure, so we operate that, we scale that, we support that, we support the whole ecosystem that builds on it, and then we monetize it through the reserves. So uh, you know the reserves are basically growing. There's 52 billion in circulation and you know, there's an interest rate environment. And so we, we, we monetize through those reserves. So that's one big piece. And that's quite significant if you look at what the interest rate environment is and, and, and where it's going and this, how fast this is growing. That's so similar to a traditional bank. You have money, you're a custodian, you loan it out at a higher interest rate. You, we don't loan it out. Though. We do not loan yeah. it out. We are full reserve. You facilitate. We, they facilitate yeah. the loan. Yeah, and well, that's so. That's the second piece, which is basically once people are living in digital currency instead of in legacy dollars and the legacy banking system, we provide a whole suite of essentially like 
accounts for businesses that want to transact in this, use it in their payment systems, integrate it into their own applications. We provide ways for people to lend it and borrow it and and the like. And so that's, that's purely in the digital currency itself. It's not in the legacy banking system. So we're sort of conducting these new commercial finance activities on top of blockchains and using the digital currency itself. And, and so that we have, it's what we call our transaction services and our treasury services. And it looks a little bit like a commercial bank. Um, and, and so that's a second piece. And, and, and that's something that we, we, we monetize is growing fairly quickly in terms of your last question. And like, how do we think about competitive advantage or, or doing this? Um, you know, I, as you know, like I come at this from the angle of like internet platforms and technology mm-hmm. platforms. And I look at this as, how how do how are we building a kind of open platform for dollars and money on the internet? It's about developer adoption. It's about scaling the ecosystem that uses this, making it as widely accessible as possible, and it's it's a network effects business. I mean, basically, I mean, the more people who plug into the protocol, the more utility mm-hmm. it has, the more demand there is to use it, and the more people who have the format. It's sort of like why did MP3 win? Well, because everyone put it in devices and it worked. Um, the more people who have the format. Then and and the more people who hold that, the more utility value it has, and so it has really strong network effects. and And so I, I think that's the that is the core is it's like an internet platform, developers, applications, integrations, distribution, and and that's how we maintain the competitive advantage that I think we have right now. All right, Jeremy, sounds exciting. You're going to help me find my Bitcoin someday. Oh you know, God. I did buy some back then when you told me to. He's, he's oh, one of the two good. people told me to buy. I lost it, Jeremy. I don't know where no, it is. Could no, be in it. No, you're not like yes, that guy who's guys in the dumpster in England. Uh, remember, he's I'm that guy. I, I don't have 500. I think I bought 10 when up on your advice oh, and the advice of Wences Casares. I don't have uh, it, Jeremy. I we need could to have a pretty good time in Vegas that. with that jungle dog. We could, sorry, we could, <laughs> we could. But again, Jeremy was one of the earliest person who told us, and I. And again, I apologize for yelling at that video, but it didn't work. In any okay. case, uh, Jeremy, thank you. Good luck, and uh, this Thanks. is a really important issue. This is, you know, critical. Instead of uh, figuring out how how these uh, financial instruments are going to work for regular people and also throughout our economy, it's very exciting. It's still a very exciting arena. Anyway, yeah. thank you, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. 
If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Scott, predictions. Go ahead, make a prediction, obviously. <laughs> we didn't expect the Peloton guy. We'll, well see. Well, first off, uh, go Rams. Let me just say that. Not a prediction, but go Rams. Is that a football team? No, it's an off-off-Broadway play that we're going to together. Oh, okay. Good to know. Uh, so anyways, my prediction is Coachella is doing something interesting. They're selling 10 tokens or NFTs or sure. – wait, what are they? I think they call yeah. it a token. That gives you lifetime access to the – to the music festival, so far the highest bid seventy five yeah. grand. But you're, this is the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg. You're going to see in twenty twenty two, what I call lux coins emerge, and that is uh, organizations oh, that try to monetize the scarcity value of access. And it'll be interesting things. If I were Chanel or Hermes, I would issue a ten thousand coins access to all Hermes products anytime with a stylist. And it'd be such incredible signaling and the perfect gift for every guy's fourth wife. I think they could raise mm. billions overnight. I think Stanford <laughs> or a, a university could issue a coin that says, okay. How do you account for that in terms of accounting of the cost, like things you owe later? I don't know. Just, oh, you might, just be putting my accountant hat on. Yeah, but you, you'd get the cash up front. I mean, you might not be able to take an, the, you might not be able to recognize the accounting revenue, but you would raise billions of dollars overnight, get rid of right. these stupid development mm -hmm. departments. Get rid, of, get rid of the admissions department. Complex. What about, I'll give you another one, um, a Langone, a Cedars, or a Jackson, or a uh, coin, and that is yeah. cradle-to-grave healthcare, no insurance. Say you're a parent, uh, what do you leave your kids in your will? You leave them a stable coin for their family that says cradle-to-grave, anyone with your last name gets gets great healthcare at Cedars or Langone for the rest of their life. Mm, they could raise billions. Uh, so. The scarcity, monetizing, uh, they'll use technology. It'll have a technology overhang. But there's just so many things you could do to mo get upfront payments around scarcity value from universities to hospitals to healthcare to aspirational events. Burning Man could issue a coin and say that whoever owns this coin for the rest of their life gets yeah. to be in the right. best yurt with the best art or whatever it is. All right. We'll see how many they'd sell with those. Yeah. The best yurt. Best yurt. whatever the is. Is it, it is. yurt? Yurt. I, I have to provide the yurt. I'm going, I think I'm going to go to Burning Man this year. I've never said it. But I'm so, gonna... You know, this feels, it could be like that that island. What was the island? I can't even remember it anymore. That everybody, fire festival. Whatever. Oh, fire, oh my God, I love that. This feels fire festival to me, but okay, sure. Jesus Christ. Don't even use the terms fire festival when our, our Pivot Miami conference kicks off in um, 72 hours. Don't even yes, say Yes, we will have bologna sandwiches for you oh all. Speaking of which, I will see you soon, Scott. Oh, we all almost right. had well, Emily Ratajkowski. That, that would have felt very fire-ish. No, no. She was like one of the models yeah. promoting Fire Festival. Was she? No. No? Is that misinformation? I'm looking it up because I have to fact check you in real time. Okay. All right. Here's the deal. 
You're correct. <laughs> you seem so disappointed. It was a post about the fire festival. Okay. Yeah, I know probably a little too much about Emily Rodakowski. <laughs> I'm saying that. Anyway, we'll be back on Tuesday for more from Miami. I will be with Scott in Hello. person in Hello. Miami. And we'll both be wearing wearing our Miami clothes. We'll be so we'll have such yeah. a good time. The weather will be warm. Anyway, Scott, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. Yeah, likewise. It's uh, be fun. And please read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie and Jatad engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Neil Silverio. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.